Thank you for joining me for this teaching from Pennington AG Church. Today, we are finishing out our Reclaiming Revival series, our fifth in five teachings about revival and what it looks like as we reclaim it from all the cultural aspects that have been attributed to it. And I'll say a couple things as we finish out this series. It is different from other teaching series is. This is one that can't just live on the internet or can't just live in the pulpit. This is something where we need to ask ourselves the real questions we've been ending every sermon with. What do I do with this? How do I walk forward in this? Do I want to seek a hope-filled spiritual existence where I believe God can work in this world? Or do I want to go back to just trudging along? And if I do want to increase my hope and expectation on God, what does that require of me and my life? What do I have to give up? What will today, as we look at it, that require of my community and for me to go outside of myself? And so hopefully you follow along with what we do at Pennington AG Church, and I encourage you to follow us this summer as we're going to be discussing, exploring, adding things into our church body that will put some legs to and some concrete expressions to this Reclaiming Revival series. Prayer exercises, worship nights, opportunities to pray for our community. We want to give you the physical expressions of what we are talking about in theory together. I want to begin today's message on bringing this into community or gathering and contending together. We began by talking about why we need revival, then what is revival, the holy discontent in us, what needs to change in our lives, and then finally today, how do we bring this to others? How do we now walk this forward together? How do we gather and contend for and with each other? About seven years ago, I flew to Utah to Park City, Utah for a retreat with other under 40 pastors, pastors under the age of 40 in the denomination I'm a part of, the Assemblies of God. It was my first time meeting a bunch of these people beyond just the internet. I knew them from what we would post on Facebook and in discussions about our denomination or what we wanted to see God do in our churches, but I never met them in person. And so this is a bit of a risk for me. So I brought my best friend James with me and we both flew out there. And in the first night together, it was about 35 of us gathered, and we did a circle where they just asked us to tell our story and a bit of what we expect or want to see out of the calling God has put in our lives. And if you've ever done a retreat like this with about 30-some people, particularly if you've done it with a bunch of pastors, what happens in a circle like this is the first few people are short, maybe 30 seconds to two minutes. And throughout, it gets longer and longer and longer because like you hear someone talk about something, you're like, oh yeah, oh, I, I want to talk about that. Or somebody's more vulnerable and then all of a sudden it sets the tone of like, I should be or I can be more vulnerable. So by the end of the night, people are sharing for like five, 10 minutes of 30 people. We're there for like four hours of people sharing about their lives, what God has done, who they are. And at one point, there's a thought in our head of like, I just want to leave and go get a bunch of fried food and ice cream after this and get to know these people. And you're like, come on. But there's another aspect where this special, spiritual, mystical moment happens of a bunch of diverse people coming together, letting their guard down and are being united around a common burden and vision that Jesus has called all of us 
Jesus has transformed each of our lives and each of us, because of him, have a burden for where we are and what God's doing in us because of our own personalities and giftings. And so it's beautiful to see diversity brought together by Christ and then in Jesus to see and pray through how that diversity can now be expressed all around in our nation and through our communities. And I still think fondly of that night as an ideal expression of a diverse group of people coming together, seeking revival and renewal in us to then go and be empowered to do it all throughout our country. As we talk about the final step of revival, I'm also realizing a topic like this one of how do we do this together is its own sermon series in and of itself, but we have one message today to do it. So buckle up, let's dive in. We're going to look at how Paul explains this to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to revisit some pretty famous passages and talk about how they can encourage us and drive us to seek revival together. All right, let's begin. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 6 and 7. One body, many parts. This is the idea Paul's laying out. One body, many parts. Paul writes, For God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. In this Reclaiming Revival series, if we're looking at what Paul's writing to the Corinthian church and Corinth at the time Paul's writing this, they've already practiced the first four steps of this series. And Paul, if you read the letter, is addressing people who have been seeking personal renewal and are getting excited and have uh, a new faith that they're excited about and, and exploring and they're emotional about it, but they're not using it for each other's benefit. They're not united together in what their burden is. They're talking over each other. Each person is passionate, but they're talking past each other. He's talking about how we take a desire for God's presence to breathe life into what is dead and dying, and then how we lay down our personal preferences to value each other in the process. Because we can go very quickly alone, but we can go very far together. Paul writes here to the Corinthian church, we may have different expressions of how God works in us, but it's the same God who is working through those who worship and trust in Jesus Christ. This is where the holy discontent brings us together. We have different burdens in different areas of this world that burden us. Lost loved ones, brokenness around the world, starvation, injustice, whatever it may be, it brings us into God's presence as we seek him to heal or change it or work in hope. Brings us to the table. Now, what do we do when we're together? Every single revival of note has transcended cultural and denominational divisions. It's been diverse in its expression. It's been diverse in the people coming together for it. A revival is a movement that crosses denominational bounds, mainline and evangelical, charismatic and Catholic. They all come together to see God's renewal in this world. Life in the fullness of the Spirit will look different for each of us. As the Spirit moves in you, it's going to look different than when the Spirit moves in me. It's going to look different than when the Spirit moves in someone next to me or in my wife or in other staff members. It will look different. And as we seek the Spirit together, we need to be okay with that. 
and accept that it's going to work differently through each of us. We come into the presence of God with unique personalities, traditions, and cultures. It's why I actually believe that multiple denominations in the body of Christ is not necessarily a bad thing. It doesn't represent that we are divided and broken as a church. It represents that we are diverse and beautiful in how we are. Someone raised in Rome, Italy with a tight family unit and and an embracing of emotions is going to look different from somebody raised in Norway with small family units where emotions are de-emphasized to logic. It's going to be expressed differently based on the culture of where we come from. Don't even get me started when we now move outside of different continents. In our denominations and in our lives, we are different people based on our giftings and our personalities. So when the Spirit moves in us, it will be diverse. That is okay. Read the four gospel accounts of Jesus' life and tell me there isn't diversity for how we respond, experience, and tell the story of Jesus Christ in our life. Mark emphasizes Jesus' power. Luke focuses on Jesus' justice. Matthew shares about Jesus' prophetic calling and power. And John focuses on the intimacy of Jesus' relational nature. They experience the same Jesus, they're empowered by the same Spirit, and they emphasize different aspects. When we come together in revivals and seeking God's presence, it will look different in each of us. God may call you to share a spiritual insight, to speak a prophetic word into someone's life, or to pray over someone for healing or wholeness. Or God may call you to organize a food drive, or to lead out in song, to teach, or simply just to be present and empathize. God has made each of us different so that we can minister to the whole body and so that we can be the kingdom of God to this whole world. And your expression does not need to be the same giftings and personality as mine, but it is from the same person of Jesus Christ. This is why we use the paradigm of word, deed, and power. As the Spirit moves in us, we will gravitate to word, deed, or power. If you missed this in our second sermon series in it, you can follow it, look back on it on YouTube. But in short, word is people who emphasize the teaching aspect of it the doctrine, the character of God. Deed are the people who are about the work of the kingdom, caring for widows and orphans and those who are hungry and broken. And power are those who embrace the charismatic giftings and prayer and demonstrations of God's presence in us. You will gravitate to one of those three. That is okay. Don't judge someone else who gravitates to a different one. The whole body needs each of us. In a revival, We need those with emotion, we need those with wisdom, and we need those with empathy. That is what the body of Christ is about. The Holy Spirit works in each of us individually so that, as Paul writes here, we can help the larger community. You seek renewal in your life for the benefit of the church, for the benefit of the kingdom of God. In a board meeting many years ago, we did a gift assessment and we were talking about connecting with church members and reaching out and sharing the gospel. And we came to this crazy conclusion, realizing that all eight of my board members were introverts and I was the only extrovert. 
and one of the board members spoke up kind of snarkily and it was pretty funny at the time. And they said, pastor, that's how many introverts it takes to balance out your extroverted nature. It takes all eight of us to balance your nature of wanting to talk and be with every single person. But honestly, oftentimes that's true. God brings us together with different giftings and personalities to balance the church and the kingdom of God. Seeking revival will begin with personal renewal, but then avoid the temptation to run faster alone and do it exactly how you want and patiently pursue walking it together for the long run. I guarantee you, you will go faster in the beginning alone, but you will go farther when you lay down your own life to do this journey together. When I was a youth pastor, every two years, we would renovate our facility that we had, our youth space. And I always had the temptation every single time of how involved to bring the teenagers. How involved should they be? Should they be involved choosing colors, design? Should they be the ones painting and working? They weren't very good at it because they're teenagers. I painted professionally before I was a pastor. And so this question always was, how involved do I bring them? But I wrestled with it. And then every time fell to the conclusion of I can do this faster and more perfectly alone or with a couple of the adults, but we can do this in the long run and invest in them and build this community so that they own it. If I bring them in the journey, if I empower them to own this space and if I empower them to do it, maybe it's going to be a little messier. Certainly it's going to take longer, won't come out as perfect, but we will then own this together. This is what this step of revival is about. It's about allowing all to be at the table, all to play, all to get to be a part of this. So when the spirit moves in you, ask yourself the question, is God moving in me for the benefit of my community? Is what the spirit is doing in me working for greater health and growth of the church I am a part of? If it is not, Paul would say to you, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, if I could speak in all the languages of the earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I love in the Amplified translation, it has a little parentheses where it says, I am just an annoying distraction. If what God is doing in us, the burden he's put in us, the impassioned desire for him to change this world is not then used for the betterment of those around us. We're just being annoying. And you can probably think in your life of some Christians who may fall into that category. I, at times, have been that person. At the same time, those who have wisdom and those who have temperance in the church need to make the space for those who come in with wide-eyed emotion. Oftentimes, because they come in and they have wild ideas and can be difficult to work with and there's a bunch of things they want to do, we can just quickly throw water on them and, and calm it down, shut the windows and say, let's just chill out. Fight that temptation. Those of us that God is empowering, submit it for the larger work of the church. Those of you with authority in the church, draw out and encourage those who are impassioned and do not put out their flame. Love is defined as valuing the wants and needs of another above your own. As we seek revival, let us seek 
the renewal of one another above our own. Can what God is doing in me make others' lives better? How do we take, then, the project of seeking God and share it among all of the church? How do we build each other up and give a voice to the entire community? That's the question. How do we empower each other to do this? Full confession, we've had many conversations in the last two months on staff that the pandemic taught us and me specifically some bad habits of church life. Beginning of the pandemic, because of the way the virus was transmitted and the nature of it, we couldn't have volunteers working with us the way we used to be able to do it. It was just the staff. It was mostly just me preaching to a camera. It was us making and creating everything. And even now, as people are being vaccinated and as we have social distance and the rates are going down, people can become involved again. And we're finding we learned bad habits of not empowering other people because we're used to just doing it on our own. But that is not the church. The church is, my job is, empowering the church community to do the work of ministry. What we're finding is the church body have now become spectators giving critiques as to what the pastoral staff is doing. And the pastoral staff is then taking and owning privately the work of the church. We need to break down these walls again and become a unified body of believers where we are all doing the work of seeking transformation in our kingdom. We are all Pennington AG Church. We are all the church of Jesus Christ with the same burden, the same calling, the same vision to lead people into the presence of Jesus. We need to see how we can share that among ourselves. Paul continues in 1 Corinthians 12 and gives us further encouragement to this end. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 14. He says the church is like a body. He says the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. As the Spirit moves among us, as the burdens in us for this world turn us to seek God to move in us, and we come together, it's going to begin to be expressed, and we need each other's unique nature to reach the goal of bringing the kingdom of God here on this earth. I'm going to interpret Paul's passage in our modern context. Some of us are men, and some of us are women. Some of us love organization and numbers. Some of us love emotion and expression. Some of us are relational, and some of us are task-oriented. Some of us are assemblies of God, and some of us are Presbyterian. Some of us are evangelical, and some of us are mainline. But we all share the one Spirit of God that works for the transformation of our world through us. And we gain power as we open the gates to bring the whole body together to seek the kingdom of God on this earth. Personal renewal does not become revival until it spills out of the community. I'm going to lay out an idea of how this works through five parts. The paradigm of revival moves in stages. And what do those stages look like? Jesus teaches us this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is how it begins. 
Jesus says to the church, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When we look at historic revivals, there is a chart of concentric circles, circles moving out from one place. And revivals have stages of growth. You can see it here on this chart. There are five stages. It begins personal. It then moves to communal. From communal, it moves to regional. And after this, it gets rare. From regional, it moves to national. And then finally, in very rare circumstances, it moves to global. And let's look at all five of these stages and how God moves and works and grows in revival. Personal. At this level, the revival dynamic is in an individual, an individual with a burden, a holy discontent, as we've said, someone who refuses to give up hope. Their heart and mind are electrified for the presence of God, and they're the burning center of a movement. They become excited about scripture and worship and prayer. If you're asking yourself about this stage, it looks like personally slowing down and making time for the presence of God rearranging your schedule to spend more time in his presence in silence and solitude to hear him speak to you. It looks like inviting God in prayer to break your heart for what breaks his. Search me, O Lord, Psalm 139, inviting the Spirit to search your heart and life so that we can be burdened for what burdens him. It looks like the immersion of scripture, studying scripture, increasing your Bible study, increasingly reading other people, speaking about scripture, listening to more sermons, filling yourself with that passion. And then lastly, it looks like personal sacrifice of time, of resources, and of pleasure, giving up other things to be more holy, to spend more time in God's presence. This is what personal renewal and the first stage of revival looks like. It could be one person, it could be several disjointed people, but in an individual's life, refusing to settle. Second, communal. At this level, enthusiasm is growing and this individual reaches out to another person, reaches out to two or three people, their small group, their church. It can be three people, it could be a hundred. But in this community, they're now gathering together to say, yes, we don't want to settle for this lesser life. It begins with dynamic Bible study and an increase in a broader sense of God's presence and a hunger for God. It could be involved in sharing your holy discontent burden with other members of the church, other Christians you trust, and sharing with them why you're so passionate about it. It can look like lingering in prayer services at the end of a Sunday service together. Just lingering in prayer at the altar or coming and asking someone just to pray with you over your holy discontent. Discussing in your small group what God has burdened in you and a passion for more of God. Or prayer walks together, inviting others to walk around the community together, gathering together around this. From communal, it then moves to regional. And regional is where it begins to start to transform your town, your county, the area that you live in. Word of mouth begins to spread. Something's happening here. These people are, are special. There's something transforming them. They have a hunger and a burden. And as more people catch the wind of inspiration, it's generated into a movement. At this stage, 
new voices are added in. And as we said, we need to be open to the diversity of other voices coming in, but it also can at this stage become chaotic. This is where we shut the door because it can go sideways at this point. People can come in with wild, crazy ideas. People can now begin to criticize it. It's at this point that we revisit back why we're doing this. We center ourselves on Jesus again and what his burden is for our kingdom. It begins with working with others outside of your church community, working with parachurch organizations, working with other churches and denominations, coming together for worship and prayer nights across multiple churches, coming together with passion, prayer walks with other parachurch ministries, going around and seeking God for our communities, being present in the community at large and being known as a church that serves and loves their community working across denominational bounds. These are all parts of becoming a regional movement. From here, we move into the high echelon, the rarity of a revival movement, where it then becomes national. When we talk about a national movement, it's not just about being known or getting glory or memory. It's where a revival begins to actively shift culture, where culture policies, ideas of a people, a nation, or a community begin to shift based on the kingdom of God. It's where we live out Matthew 6. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Influence spreads throughout a national denomination, throughout national networks or institutions. Influence of God's passion in us begins to transform it. Culture is questioned, and a change for kingdom-minded good begins to come about. Slavery is eradicated. Women's rights are elevated. A greater pursuit of holiness. Wars are ended. These shifts happen as it becomes national. Then lastly, the most rare of rare is it becomes global. It's the term of a great awakening or a transformation or a whole new international denomination becomes to life. Permanent changes to humanity happen. Permanent shifts in culture and identity of who we are happen. Hospitals, orphanages, seminaries, churches are built all over the world. Institutions of evil are battled. Slavery, poverty, war. A new movement is given a name, and the kingdom of God comes to earth a little bit more. We begin with the first, and we pursue the kingdom of God to come into this world. And so lastly, where do we start with this? What are some active changes or mindsets we can begin to shift? And I want to just close and close this series with Matthew chapter 13 and the principle of scattering and gathering. We've talked about gathering. We gather together the church. We gather together those with a burden. It's infectious. We come together. We pray. We seek. We worship. But there's also an aspect that needs to happen of regular scattering. Let's look at how Jesus teaches us this in Matthew chapter 13, verses 3 through 9. He says, A farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and they ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they did not have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, 
and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. This is a key we must not forget in seeking revival. And that is an open and regular invitation of sharing the good news with anyone around us. An openness to continually scatter the invitation that Jesus has come for all women and men to know him. And even as we seek revival and we talk to other Christians, a scattering of invitation to greater passion and burden and presence of God. That the principle of this is never to shelter in together and huddle. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus calls them to wait on the presence, to huddle, and once the Spirit comes, to scatter. To scatter quickly and to scatter widely. For revival to happen, we need to be okay with the principle of this story. That as we scatter, it will not reach fertile ground with every single person. And to be okay with that. That's the Holy Spirit's job. That's God's divine ordinance and will's job. Our job is simply to scatter. But we get nervous, right? Am I going to be rejected? Are they not going to like it? Is it not going to work? If you think about this parable, he almost seems like a wasteful farmer, like he's not good at his job. He's just throwing seed all over the place. It makes no sense. Did he not see the footpath there? And maybe don't throw your seed on the footpath. Did he not see the large collection of weeds and thorns? Maybe don't throw the seed there. I get the shallow soil because it looks like maybe it's good, but the other two seem obvious. Is he a bad farmer? No. He's scattering seed like someone who knows they will never run out of seed. He's scattering with an abundance mentality. I don't care if it hits the path. I don't care if it goes in the weeds. I'm just going to keep throwing because I will never run out of seed to throw. And it's not my job to discern. Maybe there, maybe not. If I do that, I may spend my entire life trying to discern when and where to hand it out because I'm afraid I'm not going to have enough. When it comes to the presence of God and the goodness of Jesus Christ and what he wants to do in this world, as he promises us, he will never run out of grace and mercy. He will never run out of abundant love. He will never run out of his presence. And once we get that thought into our mind, we become wasteful scatterers who just keep throwing, just keep handing out, just keep talking, just keep loving, just keep sharing. I'm not going to run out of Jesus. And so every conversation I have, I can keep sharing Jesus. If they receive it or they reject it, whatever, I'm going to move on to the next person and they may receive it or reject it. And then I'm going to move on to the next because Jesus has a plan for this entire planet and he has a plan for his entire church to become enamored and enthralled and impassioned with his presence. And it's not going to run out. There is a part of us that's very human where our emotions will run out. And if I keep inviting people to worship in prayer nights and they keep rejecting it, or if I keep sharing with them something I'm excited about God spoke to me and they respond with, well, I don't really know. Or I invite somebody to church and they say, I'm just not into that stuff. There's a part of us that like takes a real wound to that, right? And then the next time I'm like, I don't know, I want to go through that again. We revisit back into the presence of Jesus. And he teaches us again, I reached you because I am an abundant sower and I want to reach all of my people and I have an ordained plan for who I am going to reach. And so keep reaching them. They may reject it, but so what? When somebody 
receives it and receives it well and in passion. He says they could be 30, 60, 100 fold. That person becomes a way better sower than I ever was. And that story is why I keep sowing. It's why I keep spreading. It's why I keep throwing. This is the key to revival. We need to gather, absolutely. We need to share our burdens with each other, absolutely. Spend weeks, months praying and seeking and learning, for sure. But we need to transform our minds into a mentality of abundance that God wants to and can and will keep working through us to reach every woman, man, and child around us with the good news of Jesus Christ. This allows me a little bit of a plug. Our next sermon series is called Good News. And it's simply us talking about how do I share the good news of Jesus out of my life? How do I become an abundant scatterer? And we're going to take passages from scripture that are beautiful and empowered about sharing the good news and just give you different models. Maybe it's just living a holy life, or maybe it is in opening conversations and doors and being filled with joy, but that scattering the good news is the calling of revival, inviting other people into the process. And so as we close this time today, I want to close with four questions for you to meditate on. And hopefully you've been writing down and keeping track at the end of these messages what the questions are that God is searching in your heart for. And so today, get yourself in a place and let's reflect and review. The first question is, to whom and where are you meant to be scattering the message of the good news? Where are your opportunities to be scattering it, to be sharing to be inviting, to be starting conversations? Where are your opportunities to scatter the invitation to new life, to renewal and revival in Jesus? The second one is, who specifically, maybe throughout this whole series or maybe even just today, has God been placing on your heart to have a conversation with? For it to go from, renewal to revival, from individual to communal. Who can you bring along with you and say, will you just pray with me? Can we start taking a prayer walk once a week? Can we begin texting each other each day of what God is speaking to us? Can I share my holy discontent burden with you and you share it with me? And begin to move from an individual to a community. Three, how have you seen the Holy Spirit move in others and other communities? And how do you want to see it move in our community? Where do you want to see God move and shake? Is he calling you to lead in this? Are there others you see God moving in that you want to rally around and encourage? And lastly, how can we share the burden of revival with one another? How can we be encouraging all people to have a seat at the table, to come in and participate? How can we become the body of Jesus Christ, diverse but united together by the Spirit? How can each member of this church, each member of the Christian community, have a part to play and be empowered to live that part out? And that question is not just for you to write down. I'm inviting you. Email me. Here's my email. 
brian at penningtonag.com. Email me what your ideas are, how we can be doing this, what prayer methods and ways we can be encouraging and empowering each other to own this message of revival. Lastly here, you may have been listening to this sermon or this whole series without the confidence that you have a relationship with God yourself. And I wanna just give you an opportunity today to take one step, one step in knowing him, one step of inviting him into your life and to begin that transformation in your heart and soul. And I'll just invite you to pray this prayer with me as a first step of trusting Jesus Christ and entering into a relationship with him. If you'll pray this with me, if you already have a relationship with Jesus, recommit this together today. Jesus, we pray this to you today. I want to know you. I want to experience you. I want to trust you. There are parts of my life that I know are dead and dying. There's a part of my future that I know is leaving this earth, is dead and dying. And I believe that in you is the fullness of life. In you is life eternal and life present. Jesus, I believe you are God. You came to this earth and you lived as man and as God in one. You taught us what it is to live in the kingdom and to be fully human. You went to the cross in my place. You died the penalty and burden of my sin. You were buried in the ground. And on the third day, you resurrected. You rose from the dead with life eternal enthroned on high so that I could live forever with you. Jesus, you gave your life for me. Today I commit my life to follow you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If that was your first time praying that today, I just encourage you, click the link around this video. Let us know. We would love to celebrate with you, pray with you, and empower you as well to continue to follow Jesus. For all of us, as we now move into sharing the good news and inviting others into renewal and revival, I pray that you're just joining with me in increasing our hope that God wants to transform our world and not just our eternity. Thank you for joining me for this teaching from Pennington AG Church.